have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I've had my uh, drive paved, and uh, the, it seemed like it didn't bond, and I thought that you'd be the one to call and ask uh, what I should do about it now before I have it paved again. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. But more often than not, when we see something not bonding, it's uh, an issue in the preparation. Either it was too cool when it was laid, or the preparation wasn't quite right for it to bond like it should. But what you're describing to me is something that I don't see very often, just having a driveway come up in large clumps. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Each weekend, Ken Patterson is right here taking your calls. Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? Ken is a Class A licensed contractor who's designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and residential products, as well as industrial projects up and down the eastern seaboard. And he's here to help you with that home improvement project this weekend, or maybe to hold on to some of those very, very precious dollars and trying to complete a project this weekend. If you'd like to join us, you can always reach can at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can post your questions online at kenthecontractor.com. And Ken, we want to start out this hour by talking about something that's become a bigger and bigger concern over the years, particularly as our homes, the offices, places where we spend a time indoors tend to be sealed tighter and tighter. It used to be in the good old days, as we like to call it, you'd fling that window open, you'd get that fresh air in. Well, now you've got commercial buildings where you can't do that because of insurance reasons and other reasons, fire and safety issues. And a lot of people's homes now, they control the indoor climate uh, with either central air conditioning or some type of heat source in the winter season. And that means you've got to take into consideration the stuff that's around your house. And we know more about the pain paints, the different types of fabrics, the plastics that we use, and some of the damaging things they can do. Well, they can, and I'm not sure that most of us think very much about that until there's an illness or someone diagnoses a problem saying you really should be doing this. And what I want to do is alert you to some of these things that you need to take into consideration on the front side of your remodeling, building a new home, and it may be something as simple as you're just going to repaint the inside of your house. Maybe you're going to replace the flooring, put some new carpet in, or refinish that hardwood floor. Products that we used years ago were safe in the day to the extent that we constantly kept windows open. But in the last number of decades, we create our own environment, just as you were discussing. And as a result, in homes, we have very little opportunity to constantly exchange the air. So the products that we use inside that may have been safe, if you will, years ago, meaning that we had uh, off-gassing issues, that we had problems with uh, with carpet, we had paneling, formaldehyde, various other items that would be brought into our interior living space, the fact was that we kept the windows open periodically, so it was allowed to vent. Today, that's not the case. So I want you to write some of these down or go to my website. They'll be there later, kenthecontractor.com, and pay attention to this. These are questions I want you to talk to your builder or remodeler about when it comes time to make these changes. And again, even if you're doing it yourself, when it comes time to buy the product, ask the vendor, whoever the clerk, whoever you're talking to in the store, to look at some MSDS sheets or the technical data sheets on products as simple as paints. Timeout. MSDS. Manufacturer Safety Data Sheets. 
That gives you all the nomenclature, tells you whether you've got potential for off-gassing items that could be harmful in an enclosed environment over an extended period of time. It is part of the technical data sheets that all manufacturers produce. Ask that question. I know Jim teases me occasionally because I read all of these things, and it's important in the industry, but it's important to your health. And if you're relying on a professional, they should be reading that. But if you're doing it yourself, then you should be reading it. But one of the first things you want to look at are the building products or materials you're using, really are they what we would call today eco-friendly? Because if they're friendly to the environment, they're going to be friendly to your health. This was a huge deal at the International Builders Show uh, in recent weeks. Manufacturers are looking diligently at, at how they can tweak and adjust and modify things that have been on the market for some time so that it meets this eco-friendly criteria. Again, going to be helpful for us on the inside. So ask, is it an eco-friendly product? You want to find out again about the fumes that are created. Are there any potential uh, allergic reactions? And today we have more and more, especially young people, that have allergic reactions to things that are in the building industry. Are there dust issues? Even when you're cutting a product and installing it, are there issues that could be harmful to you? Long-term is probably the biggest single item. As you live in the home, you recycle the air over and over and over again. Filters may pull out dust and certain airborne particles, but not necessarily going to help you with any of the uh, the off-gassing or fumes that can create headaches, runny eyes, uh, you know, uh, those type things that just make us miserable inside our home. So read those sheets, ask those questions. Is it eco-friendly? You also want to be positive. Is it non-toxic? That has to be absolutely critical, not just for you, but how about your pets that you have in the home as well? We've missed this boat uh, many times and failed to think about our pets, and we find that they have health issues where we may not. Also, if you're really into the environmental side of things, you want to ask, is this a product that can be recycled at the end of its useful life? And many of us, I think, are into saving dollars because if we're not putting things in our landfill, that's saving us on tax money at some point in the future. Can the material we have be recycled? And in the sense, can it be ground up and repurposed and used in some other product as well? Also, are the materials made locally? Now, this gets more into the eco side of it. But if they're made locally, you're doing two things. One, you're support, supporting local business and local industry. But secondly, you're eliminating an awful lot of fuel expense, which you're not having to pay for, and you're protecting the environment. So think about those things that are made locally. These are things I want you to ask your builder about. And also, you would ask, are they durable? You want to look at how long is this product going to last when you're talking to your builder? Does it suit you? Does it suit your lifestyle and the way you live in the home? If you come in constantly with rocks and a lot of water and moisture on your feet, hardwood floor may not be the right product for you, but yet a pergo or some synthetic material, a laminate material, may be what you need and have the same look. So, again, ask the questions. Think about the environmental side, but also the things that are durable. And I'd say, lastly, I want you to consider how do you maintain all of these products, whether it's paint, carpet, hardwood, even new upholstery on your furniture. Does it take something unique or special that could be an environmental issue for you inside that home? You want to be sure you can clean these items and care for them with things that are right for your health and for those of others in your household. And if you have special needs, if you do have folks in the home with allergies and special problems, tell your contractor, tell your manufacturer when you're talking to them or your vendor about this so they can steer you in a direction that helps you have a healthier house. 
And I'm assuming, uh, just like uh, Made in America tags or identification, that a lot of these products that meet the specifications that you're referring to will be very visible a lot of times because that's a selling point for a lot of these different manufacturers. Many of them are. Not all are tagged in that fashion, but I can tell you from the show recently, the IBS show, that more and more are thinking about that because they recognize that Many of us have just different problems health-wise living in our home. They don't want to contribute to it. They want to be able to advertise because they have a product that is safe for you, comfortable for you living in your house and the environment you create. Who would have ever thought years ago we'd have machines that would be purifying the air in your house? Things that almost give us the hospital quality we saw some years ago. But that's because of all the products we bring in and we just don't think about it. But there are ways to work around it if you ask the right questions on the front side. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for him, you can reach him anytime at this number, 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And don't forget to check out Ken's website, kenthecontractor.com. You'll find lots of useful information right there online. Quick break and back with more right after this. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can join us. Our number is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also forward your questions to our website. You can email Ken at KenTheContractor.com. Let's go back to uh, some items I like to bring to you from time to time, and that's our mailbag segment. I answer these online, but occasionally I want to bring these to air because many of you have similar issues around the home. And this is one I know a lot of you have been dealing with in the last several weeks. This comes to us from Sharon in Virginia. And she says, our winter was not bad, but I've noticed several places on my front walk where the surface is coming up in patches. She says, it looks terrible. And Sharon, I know exactly what you're talking about. Says you've talked about concrete repair and said some products may not work. You're right. I'm glad you're listening, Sharon. Said you had a guest on some time ago talking about a repair material called Quickcrete. And she said, will that do the repair that I need? And Quickcrete is a brand. Let me clarify that. It's not a product, but it is a brand. And Quickcrete produces about 200 concrete-related products from repairs to color, staining, caulk, uh, you name it, they are a concrete specialist. There are other companies in the marketplace that produce similar products, Ardex being one, A-R-D-E-X, and so many others that are out there. So you may not find a brand in your location, Sharon, for you or for others, but you want to look for a comparable product. Now let me explain the Quickcrete product that you reference. This is a product designed specifically for spalding concrete. And typically, those of you that live in a winter environment where you have a freeze-thaw situation, you have uh, salt and road chemicals that just sit there that aren't washed off during the winter, and for some of us it's very difficult because of the temperatures, what it will do is it, it just it causes the concrete surface to flake or to come loose, and you're looking at stone later in the year. It's not a smooth surface, and you've just got the aggregate exposed that's in the concrete in most cases. At some point, you've got to repair that. Ordinary mortar mix, ordinary cement mix, even without the stone, does not work. It'll give you a pretty color for a short period of time, but it will not bond and it will not take the load that the traffic that your cars put on top of that and the twisting and turning of those wheels. So Quickcrete and other companies have produced a product that will bond. It's They're really designed to be user-friendly. If you follow the instructions correctly, Prep it, meaning in most cases you're simply pressure washing to remove all the loose material, the scale that's there, 
and actually you apply the Quickrete product while it's still damp, not thoroughly dry. But as long as all the loose material is finished, this is a self-leveling product that is either in some cases pre-mixed, others you can buy where you mix. You put it on with a squeegee. It will cure to a uniform concrete color. It's not pre-colored. You're not going to get green and yellows and blues and some of the vivid colors that concrete toppings will allow. But this is a concrete repair product. And not only would I put it over the patch area, Sharon, but I do the entire section of concrete, at least from a control joint to control joint. Then you're going to have a uniform color. Let it cure properly before you get on top of it, but it will perform and hold up very well. You're going to be happy you put this down. It's going to look new and will work fine for you for a long period of time. Thanks for sending the question to us. And for all of you that have this type or other questions, certainly contact me through our website at KenTheContractor.com. You can also reach us on the phones at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Sam dialed that number as he joins us right now. Hi, Sam. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. We just had a house just built, and it has a basement. And we took a freezer in a few days ago and plugged that thing up and right around the bottom of that freezer, all of a sudden, um, has a lot of water accumulating, uh, and also has mold spores already beginning. What can we do with that thing? Well, one of the issues we constantly see in basements is lack of air movement. And the freezer, has the freezer run for several days now? Yes, it has. Okay, so I assume if you're seeing mold developing already, it has run for some period of time. Do you know whether and is it a frostless freezer? Um, it's, it's self-defrosting, or do you have to turn it off and defrost it periodically? We have to turn it off and defrost it. Okay. You may want to check and see if there's any moisture coming out of that unit itself, because it takes moisture to create mold. Um, and basements typically have no air movement in them. Even if you did not have this down there, just in a high, humid environment, mold is likely to develop in the corners itself. So I would suggest first that you look at the freezer. Be sure you do not have a water source. There's no condensation. There's not a leak coming from around a door, a gasket, or within the unit that's creating this moisture. The other thing that happens that you are in this uh, in this moist environment in the basement, and you've got the the compressor running, you've got the the uh, I guess the moisture from the freezer itself. That to me is going to create a potential problem. I would look first. I would look first at uh, uh, at a water source coming from that freezer. Secondly, I would be concerned with creating a little bit of air movement in the basement. And if you've got a fan, you might just remove the mold from the floor, clean it up, and then put a small fan down there and watch it for a week or two and see if it redevelops. If it doesn't, it's all about the air movement. Okay. Uh, dehumidifier wouldn't solve my problem. It's not going to move air. It's going to pull humidity out, but it's actually air movement that gets air out of these pockets in our basements, another area that solves goes a long way to solving more of the mold problems than a dehumidifier. Okay. Well, we have a small fan we can put down there. Yeah, give it a, a shot as an experiment. All basements are different. You also want to look and be sure that you don't have water coming up from the floor around a cold joint, an expansion joint where the slab meets the wall, or even the walls bringing water in that might be uh, concentrated behind or in the general area of the freezer. Okay. But if, if this were a frost-free unit, one that goes into a self-defrosting cycle, I would ask you to take a look at the defrost uh, or the pan. There is a pan in the bottom of those, and there is a coil that evaporates that moisture. And if that's not working properly, then you're going to have more moisture in the air and possibly leaking on the floor. No, you have to, just, you have to defrost this one. It doesn't, uh, 
and have a frost, not a frost free. Okay, well, take a look and see if you don't have moisture coming or an air leak from the freezer around the gasket that can be creating moisture on the outside. All right, appreciate your time. Good luck. You have a good day. Bye. You too, thank you. Sam, we do appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. And the one common element we get, Ken, in a lot of these different questions, a lot of people think of the mold and relate it to moisture. But as you said, it's more often than not air movement or the lack of air movement. Yeah, air movement is such a key item, not only in our basements, but even within our home. A lot of us have experienced issues where we may have seen mold and mildew even within our closets inside the house. And we say, well, we need to put a cedar lining in it to do some of these other items. And anything that absorbs the moisture like that uh, could help. But it's really about air movement. And if you have a dead air space, I want you to pay attention to that. You may think a little bit about how you can get some air to circulate it. Maybe some of us need to have our ductwork, at least a grill, relocated so we're getting a little more air or one added. Or certainly use that ceiling fan if you have it in that bedroom or within that space a little more often. You know, Basements and water, for not, it just doesn't mix. It's sort of like oil and water for all of us. It just doesn't mix, and we constantly have problems with it. Well, and the air movement, too, becomes a, a bigger and bigger issue, particularly when you get some of these isolated areas. And also, I know one thing that doesn't help, a lot of times these areas tend to be storage areas, and you don't actually notice you got a problem until you go down and rummage around down there and move something that you haven't moved in six months, and all of a sudden you got a problem. Yeah, they're out of sight. They're out of mind. We don't give it any thought. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to answer questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you'd like to join Ken and have a question, the number to reach us at is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can always forward your questions to Ken's website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor, along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt. Our phone lines are open. If you have a question for Ken, the number to dial is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. My next guest is Brent Guatney. Brent is Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Moisture Shield. Welcome to the show today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kenneth. I appreciate you having us. I'm glad you could take time to be with us. You, not unlike everyone else is here, has new products, new things, changes in old products that you want to talk to folks about. Tell us a little bit about Moisture Shield. Well, Moisture Shield has been in the industry about 25 years. We are one of the oldest composite manufacturers in the country. We are the only composite that you can put on the ground, in the ground, under the water, and we'll give you a lifetime transferable warranty. So it's a unique product in its category. Talk a little bit about the product in general, because I know right now that there are listeners out there that heard lifetime warranty, and they hear me day in and day out and through our website talk about warranties, guarantees, performance, and spending your money wisely, getting something that's going to last. So I know you have their interest. Tell us a little bit about the product. And you said in the ground, above ground. Slow down and go through that one again. Underwater. Under the water. You know, most composite deck boards, which is what we manufacture, have to be uh, 12 to 16 inches off the ground. Typically, whatever tears up an exterior building product is moisture and UVs. I mean, that's what breaks down all building products. Uh, But with the Moisture Shield, we can... uh, we actually shield that moisture and don't absorb it, which gives us a product that allows us to do some unique things like under the water or on the ground. 
So this means for those of you looking to construct a deck that is really ground level, maybe a step up of, of just a rim board, six inches, for example, it can sit tight to the ground, and this meets code criteria as opposed to having 8, 10, 12 inches, depending on where you happen to live, where you have to have that much clearance below any wood or wood composite product. Absolutely. Absolutely. It meets it for you know, just about any application that you can think of. When it comes to a decking product that can be used. Decking is something we have so many questions on. Tell us a little bit about some of the properties and characteristics in terms of finishes, paint, colors, ability to paint, any of those items. Well, Moisture Shield comes in eight colors. It's going to maintain its color. When you buy a walnut, say you buy a walnut color, it's going to stay walnut. If you buy a redwood, it's going to be a redwood color. So there's no staining, no maintenance on painting or any of those applications, things that you would normally have to do on a wood-type product. There is a maintenance where you have to wash the deck off a couple of times a year, just like you'd wash your car or anything else. It's basically maintaining your car. That's you go through the absolutely. same motions then. Yes, sir. Now, the product is installed with surface fasteners or concealed fasteners or both? You could use either application there. So it can be used. Uh, most We find, especially throughout the Northeast and the Midwest, most people are going to a hidden fastener system. A lot easier to install than what they were in the past. So uh, that seems to be the trend as we speak. What are some of, I guess, you would call the key advantages of wood plastic composite decking? Well, I think you with a wood plastic composite decking, you get longevity. And that's something okay. you should be looking for. You're going to pay a little bit more for it. You want it to last. You don't have the splinters. You don't have the splitting and the cracking. The Cupping, the warping, the typical absolutely. issues of so many either composite or natural wood products. Absolutely. You're going to get a straight, clean board that's very stable and doesn't move. All right. Tell us also, because things change constantly. I have seen this. You and I were talking before we went on the air here about some of the trends we have seen in our careers. What are you seeing that relates to decking especially right now? Well, we see a lot of our competition going to a capstock board, which is a board where you'd have a composite underneath with a PVC or a vinyl top. One of the reasons that's happening is because they're not successful in not allowing moisture to penetrate the product. And because of that, they've had some issues on some composite boards. So they figure if you put a capstock on top of it, you eliminate those issues. So you see that happening throughout the industry right now. It seems to be a big trend. We've chosen not to go that route because we don't have those type of issues with our product. You're not going to have that moisture absorption, so you really don't have to cap it. And you get a natural wood look versus kind of a PVC look on your deck or a vinyl look on top of your deck. So this certainly is not a an applied finish that creates the moisture resistance, but this is throughout the product. What you see aesthetically on the surface of the deck is throughout the core of the product. So when you make a cut, you're taking a 16-foot board, you're cutting this deck board down to 12 feet, 11 to whatever. There's no back priming. There's no cutting or painting the end joints in order to maintain a warranty. You cut it, you install it, and it works just as if it were the factory-length piece. You're, you're correct in saying it. The color is through and through from the top to the bottom. You don't have to try to hide the ends or do any of those things. Expansion and contraction, any issues in that regard? Oh, no, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. You know, we do something a little different. Most of our competition in the industry, they water-cool product. And when you water-cool plastic, the molecules want to have a memory. So you've gone through an extruder, you heat it up, uh, they're all twisted throughout the board, all the molecules of plastic, and then when they go into a water bath, it freezes them in place. So what happens, the issue you spoke about, it wants to come back to its natural form. So you get sometimes three-eighths of a half-inch of movement in that product. But we don't water-cool. We actually have a half-mile of cooling lines. We actually naturally anneal our board. So we have the most stable board in the industry. I'll give you an example. On a 20-foot board, 
we expand and contract plus or minus a 16th, which is more stable than wood. Considerably more stable than wood. And what you're telling me is the way this product goes down to the way it's going to look and stay for a long, long period of time, unlike most other products that are constantly in flux. That's right. You don't have to do this gapping. It's 40 degrees. You have to gap it three-eighths or whatever. You just put it down like you would a wood deck, butt it up, put it down, and it's going to maintain its that performance. So even during the initial installation, temperature, moisture content, you don't have to worry whether it rained for an hour before you get ready to start installing it again or it's 90% humidity or whether it's 40 degrees versus 90 degrees. Put it down, apply it. It's very simple. Sounds like a product that many of you need to know about. We'll be moving into deck season and a lot of our listing areas soon. Some of you are there already. You need to think about Moisture Shield if you're looking to build a new deck or to retrofit the current deck that you have. Think about eliminating some of the water problems, the potential of rot, and redoing things as time moves along. Lifetime's a long warranty. Absolutely. Brent, I appreciate you being with us today. Very valuable information for everybody. For more information, where do folks go again to find out about Moisture Shield? Uh, www.moistureshield.com. That's today's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. We've got time for a quick mailbag. Let's go from decks to porches, Ken, and someone who sent you a, a mailbag and basically said, Ken, help. Yeah, this one concerns me a little bit. This comes to us from Marjorie in Virginia. It says, for no apparent reason, our front porch is sinking noticeably in one corner. Everything underneath appears normal. What's going on? Well, Marjorie, anytime you see a sudden movement of any structure, my concern is that there has been something happened below that's creating a structural issue. Either the surface soil was not properly compacted under that pier, and I'm going to make an assumption that you've got a porch that, that has piers periodically as opposed to a solid wall, and that that soil is either not properly compacted there, but generally that shows up very early on after construction. The more evident thing, or the, the, to me, what might be more obvious is something has happened below that. There was a cavity, there was some wood, there's something that has decayed, and suddenly as water gets into that cavity, now the soil is dropping rapidly. So what I would like you to do is to consider calling a local architect or engineer. A structural engineer would probably be your best bet and have them come examine that. There are things they can observe just on the surface that you can't convey to me in the email that would give them some real clues as to what's going on. But anytime your structure's moving suddenly and rapidly, something's happened below that that supports it. So, Marjorie, make that call as soon as you can. So you don't walk out one day and that porch is just gone. Well, it will, and it could be that it's limited to just one small spot, but the bigger issue could be that there are the problems that would affect the balance of that porch, and she can address it now and have a soils person come out and modify the soil and stabilize what not only what's there now, but also prevent damage from the balance of the porch and get this porch area back up. If you'd like to email a question to Ken, you can forward it to his website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. Once again, the contact number for Ken the Contractor is 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken is right here answering questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always be part of the program by dialing 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Ken's going to be talking uh, about well water in just a moment. But first, time now for In the News. And this is where Ken brings you products, trends, and services that are important to make you in to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, remodeling, and new construction. And today we're going to be talking about trends. 
Well, we are, and one of the things that we don't think about, maybe we do, is is Big Brother watching? Well, in this case, I want to bring to you some information from a company called Tonig, T-O-N-I-G, Trending. This is a professional company that simply tracks our age groups, what we buy, what we do, and then they will let us know a little bit, and I'm going to share some of this with you, what manufacturers are doing with this data and how it affects us in our and our buying habits and the things that we have at our disposal when it comes to renovating or, or home maintenance or all the things that make our life a little easier around the house. Follow me for just a moment and see where you fall in this. I want to take some of us back a little bit to what's called the silent generation. Those are folks typically born in the 1925 to 1945 period for a lot, and we may be in this category, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents even. And this certainly is an aging part of the population, and if we're lucky, we're all getting there one day at a time. But I want you to listen to these categories, and then we're going to talk about them in just a few moments. So if you're in that retired group, uh, in that particular time frame, you've got unique needs from your children, your grandchildren, or maybe your great-grandchildren, for that matter. Then, then a, a phrase that we've all heard for so many years, the baby boomers. The baby boomers fall into a period of 1946 to 1965. And so, yeah, I just stepped on a nerve with some of you, didn't I? You're saying, I'm in that group. And this was a shockwave generation once was the largest in the U.S. history, 75 million boomers. And it started, and we are today, they're starting what's referred to now as the golden boomer era. I don't know that some of us like that. But again, this is how the marketing people view us. And that's why I want you to understand a few of these things. Some of the guys, by the way, and gals that are into the golden boomer era. How about some of the folks from the Rolling Stones here? Mick Jaggard, Keith Richards, and others, 69 years old. Now, the other thing that the survey tells us that for the boomers, those of us that I just talked about, and I'm in that category, that we are now the new 30. That's what is being told to them, according to Pew Research. The baby boomers believe also that old age starts at 72. I've often wondered when I would be old. So if I make it to 72, now I know that. That is old, and supposedly, Jim, you and I are in the new 30s group. i got to tell you, and it's, whenever this discussion comes up, I think of an episode of the TV series. I don't know if you ever watched JAG. Yes. And they had a particular episode where there was a group of uh, World War II vets who were getting involved and in trying to deal with some guys who were drug trafficking and messing around with their relatives. And I just remember Ernest Borgnine at the end of the episode where somebody told him to act his age. And I thought he had a great line. And he was talking to um, David James Elliott's character, Commander Harmon Rapp. And he said, Commander, do you feel old? Do you feel different than you do when you're 13 or 14? He said, the only difference is you can't do things as quickly as you once did. But he said, you don't feel old whether you're 40, 60, 80. And for some reason, that has always stuck with me, that you're only as old as you feel you are. Now, every once in a while, we may have to make some concessions to Father Time, that there are just some things that we can't do as much or as well uh, anymore. But I don't know that you ever start to feel old. Well, I would agree with that. And I think most people that I've talked with, whether they're in their 20s or in their 70s, will tell you the same thing. But it's the trends and what manufacturers are watching and where we have some buying power and some things that sometimes those of us say, it's not available, you know, I'm not going to ask about it. I don't want you to take that attitude anymore, regardless of what age group you find yourself in, because we're hopefully all going to move through this. 
And then there's another age group out here referred to, I guess, as the tech boomers. And these are the folks getting a little older out there as well. But they're the people that started the tech age, if you will. Some of the research that was done, these are 56 to 65-year-old people. They're still spending today 36 and a half hours online each month. And they spend $2.9 trillion, that's trillion dollars a year. So for those that say, you know, I'm 50 years old, I'm building a home, I don't need to worry about technology, or if you have a contractor or an architect saying that, you need to put them back in their place saying, you're on the cutting edge of high tech as well as some of the 20-somethings that are out there today. You may not exhibit that you're a certain age, but the way in which you spend your money oftentimes is a big issue for, for these companies. And then we move on to, I guess, Gen X and Gen Y. Gen X we hear about recently, 65 to 84 that's out there. And then the Gen Y is the 82, 1982 to 2002 generation. The reason I bring this up, I want you to get a feel for where you are if you don't know. But what I want you to understand is that Tonig Trending and others look at where we are as a nation. They track what we spend. That's the reason you go into these stores. They'll ask you for phone numbers, ask you for zip codes. They won't typically ask you for your age, but they're tracking the demographic information. This data goes back to manufacturers. They buy these this data, and in turn, they look at what you're buying. You just left big box store A, and you came out with all kinds of fertilizer. You bought lumber. You bought a particular type of hardware. And they're saying, well, if we're selling this and we're selling it to this population group or living in this location, we're going to pay more attention to what their needs are. So when we respond, when you respond to your builder, to your architect, to your developer, and you say, is this available? I'd like to have this in my home. I'd like to put this on as part of my retrofit. If it's not available, gradually this information gets back, and we see the changes in manufacturing where they are listening to us. You really have the ear of the people that design and build these products. You make a big statement with your dollars. You really do. Uh, quick mailbag here uh, before we wrap up the hour, and this is from Cheryl in Charlottesville, Ken. She's got an issue with drinking water, and it comes from her well. And she said, my husband and I recently bought an old farmhouse in the country. The water well worked during our inspection, but in the last few weeks has become sandy at times. Are we going to have to sink a new well or do we need a filter or what? We've always lived where we had city water. We don't know much about wells. Any suggestions? Well, there's probably some good and some bad news here, Cheryl. First, I would tell you that I wouldn't be overly alarmed unless this is occurring on a constant basis. What happens, especially if you go through a dry period in your area, if the aquifer drops a little bit, and if you're drawing excessive amount of water, meaning maybe you're irrigating your yard, your garden, washing car, washing clothes, got shower running at the same time, if you're pulling a lot of water out frequently and rapidly, sometimes we'll see a little sand or, or other deposits that will be drawn up with that. If you watch how you use that water and you're not getting any sandy deposits, then you really don't have an issue. If you go beyond that and you continue to have issues with sand in the water, you may consult a company about a filter, but you may have to get a well expert in and look at the casing and be sure there hasn't been a collapse somewhere down inside your well. If you have a question for Ken, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. And you can always email questions to the website. That's Ken the Contractor. Again, our contact number is 800-614-2975. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken the Contractor, the program where folks 
go for professional answers. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach us at 800-614-2975 or reach us online at kenthecontractor.com. And don't forget to check out the website, kenthecontractor.com. A lot of helpful information about your home, inside or out. It's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com. 